Welcome to Creepy Kentucky. I'm Quinn. And I'm Wara. And what do we, anything we want to start with today? Nah. All the depressing news. Yeah, it's nothing but depressing. Oh, so bad. So. Everything. Yeah. The world has gone to shit since we recorded the last. So, yeah. It's, even more shit than it yeah, was. Yeah, even more. Yeah. This has been a... This has been a long week. I don't like it. It has. It's a bad, bad week. I feel like it's been longer than a week since we recorded last. It does. (laughs) Feels really bad. Like, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. I spent the weekend at the vets, basically. Yeah. Then yesterday, in Louisville. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. 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 It's nothing, nothing pleasant. No. So let's talk about something let's fucked up. Let's talk about something, let's talk about something else for a change. Oh, I did have lunch the other day with Angela. My oh. friend Angela that you met. Yeah. That was awesome. I will say she hasn't, like, I've known her for like, what, 20 years now? She's barely aged. Yeah. Ugh. All right. So, once we're going to... Yeah, in 20 years, I'm like... Like... Ugh. All right. Anyway. <laughs> so, today, my topic is going to be uh, Ghosts of Old Louisville. Ooh. And this is going to be, like, the first of, like, several episodes. But because I can tell, like, little individual stories... Within each episode, then I can, like, do this, and then, like, a couple months later, do another one. Yeah, yeah. so it'll be an ongoing thing, but it does have topic. to be, like, one right after another, you know. Gotcha. But, uh, so, for anybody who does not know what Old Louisville is, um, Old Louisville is a historic district of 48 blocks. Uh, south of downtown and north of University of Louisville in Louisville. Uh, it's a designated U.S. Historic District, and many of the buildings are on the U.S. National Register of Historic Places. It's the third largest historic district in the U.S. and the largest with almost exclusively Victorian architecture. Has the highest concentration of stained glass windows in the United States. Oh, And it was initially called the Southern Extension, was annexed by the city in 1868. So there are places in Louisville that are older, but it just has the name Old Louisville. So, yeah, I mean, you know, Uh, development occurred slowly but steadily until 1863 when the first of five Southern Expositions was held where uh, St. James Court and Central Park are now. Uh, President Chester A. Arthur opened the first one. Oh. Uh, Thomas Edison's first light bulbs was shown at uh, one of the expositions, and at one of them there was a display of over 4,000 light bulbs at a time when virtually no one had electricity in their home. Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And uh, after the Southern Expositions ended in 1887, the area rapidly developed. Uh, at its peak, it was the center of Louisville social life. But 
As the residents moved to newer suburbs farther out, the area declined. Also, the houses got ruinously expensive to run because there were fewer servants available and they demanded higher wages. Because these houses were like money pits, really. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, many buildings were raised. Others became low-rent apartments, especially near downtown. In 1960, a man named J. Douglas Nunn, who was a Courier-Journal reporter, he began a revitalization campaign. Uh, in 1961, he took a leave of absence from the paper to start a company called Restoration Inc., which um, renovated 10 houses, and that started the trend to renovating the houses. Uh, 1961 was also the year it started being called Old Louisville, for whatever reason. Uh, it's currently one of the most ethnically and financially diverse areas in Louisville. It has right. the largest collection, collection of pedestrian-only streets in America, and has some of the most impressive architecture, and it also hosts, probably not this year, well, maybe, I don't know, hosts one of the largest art shows in the country, the St. James Court Art Show, in the first weekend of October. Oh, cool. So, first house, I've got three houses to talk about, and the first one is called the Conrad Caldwell House, and I'm going to call it about ten different things, because for some reason, I find that difficult to say. I don't know. Okay. So... <coughs> This house is located on St. James Court and is considered one of the most beautiful homes in the city. Uh, Louisville had, for many decades, set a high standard in design and luxury for its mansions. And when Theophilus Conrad, that was his name, Theophilus. <laughs> Theophilus. Uh, Theophilus. Yeah. Theophilus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Theophilus. Um, I'm Theophilus Conrad. I'm Theophilus Conrad. <laughs> not the best Theophilus that'd be funny if he was a twin though <laughs> the, best. Brother, the best the best the best in Theophilus Theophilus <laughs> oh my god alright <laughs> he decided to build anyway when the, when the worst decided to build a house he was not going to skimp on the details uh, he was from Alsace in France, and he made his money in the tanning business, not but spray look. tans. Yes. Uh, a man named, local architect named Arthur Loomis was called in. He designed a huge limestone house um, in the Richardsonian Romanesque style. Fancy. Um I have a star by limestone, because I was like, I wonder if that has anything to do with it might, yeah. because they say limestone, like, yeah. retains that stuff. And, yeah. Um, once the outside of the house was finished, the interior was fitted out with every luxury, including stained glass, highly carved woodwork, chandeliers, parquet floors, bird's eye maple. And there are at least 120 fleur-de-lis in the house, uh, which is a symbol both of France and of the city of Louisville. I didn't know that. Uh, tour guides <laughs> tour guides recommend that you don't wander off from the tour, or maybe you should, uh, because people have experienced ghostly happenings when they've gone off on their own. 
Okay. One time a visitor did exactly that. She decided to look inside a room on the third floor that had been closed for restoration. Um, Moments later, she went running and screaming back downstairs. She refused to go back to the third floor. And when she finally was able to talk about what she'd seen, she claimed to have seen, quote unquote, well, quote, a mean little man from the olden days, quote. Yeah. And he was shaking his index finger at her. And also she knew it was a ghost because she could see. Yeah, exactly. You can't see her, but she's, yeah, she's shaking her index finger just like that. Yeah. Also, she knew it was a ghost because she could see the wooden paneling that he was standing in front of. Oh, Jesus. So, yeah. And apparently that, like, multiple people have reported an older, short, older guy (laughs) shaking their finger at him. Well, an older guy, anyway. The shorter guy is somebody else. But, yeah, shaking his finger. Like, you know, you're not supposed to be doing that. Why would she call him mean? If he was just shaking, was his, shaking his finger. Well, he well she wandered off from the tour. Yeah. You're not supposed to do that. Yeah. That's shame. Yeah. That's naughty. You knew, you knew better. Lady, you knew better than to do that. <laughs> and you did it anyway. You deserve getting your finger, a finger sh- shook yeah, at you. you deserve a finger sh- yeah, exactly. An index finger shook at you. Finger. Well, not the other one. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. That seems harsh. But <laughs> the, other one, the other one seems harsh, but the index finger doesn't. Yeah, that's what she deserved. Okay, so most people feel seem to feel like this was the worst Conrad doing that. Uh, he was known in life as a stern, no-nonsense kind of man. And this incident was actually not the only... Oh, yeah. And this incident was not the only time a ghost has confronted a trespasser from a tour. Uh, and another person that this happened to uh, identified the ghost from a picture of Conrad oh. in, the, in hanging in the house. So, yeah. Um, so, in another incident, two newlyweds had just had their wedding reception at the house. And as they were walking through the grounds, they noticed an older short gentleman smoking on the third floor balcony. They were very puzzled as to who it could be because they didn't recognize him. And the house was only had the wedding guests yeah. in it at the time. It was me. Yeah. <laughs> she stuck in. She crashed. That's what she does. She crashes his wedding. Yep. I'm an older... I'm a yeah. short old guy. She dresses as a short old guy and crashes the <laughs> And I just and then smoke just on the balcony. Stand there and smokes on the balcony. Yep. Yeah. Now you know. Sorry for ruining your wedding. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you know, you got to do something on to break up the monotony of the weekend. I'm, yeah. Yeah. You can only do laundry so many times. Yeah, exactly. I mean,. Sure, telling gonna do itself. So, yeah, that's true. Uh, as they were okay, they were puzzled as to who it could be because neither one of them recognized him, the person. So the brides uh, asked her mother if she knew the per- if then she knew the man. The mom was like, no. no. <laughs> By the time the bride's mom looked up, the man, the short man, was gone. They searched the house. The only thing that they could find was the smell of cigar smoke. 
And that ba- that particular balcony had at one time been a smoking area for the third floor billiard room. Oh. And that ghost is believed to be Mr. Caldwell, who was the house's second owner and who was also quite short. He was the one who had the billboard room installed and he spent a lot of time there. Uh, both he and his wife died in the house. Uh, she spent a lot of time decorating it before uh, a debilitating illness confined her to her bed for the last years of her life. Oh, Yeah. I'm sorry. <coughs> so, she has been spotted like several times. Yeah, I don't know what that was. Something fell. Whenever we record stuff falls. Have you noticed that? I have. Yeah. (laughs) So, the former director of the museum was leaving the house one day. Uh, It was dark outside, so she was going around turning off all the lights uh, before she was locking up. And she happened to look down toward a spot on the staircase landing near a grandfather clock. And she saw a white mist forming. She said it looked like a veil. She edged her way past it, which I would have been like, well, there's got to be a fire escape. She edged her way past it. Then she decided to speak to it. Like you do. Yeah. She assured it that she was just making sure that everything was okay uh, before she left for the day. Um, The mist vanished, uh, left behind an extremely cold spot on the stairs in an area where cold spots are frequently reported. Huh. Um, they think that this ghost was the Mrs. Con- Caldwell. Yeah. Because she, she's very uh, concerned about, like... She was very particular. Taking, yeah, she's like, very concerned about, too, that the house is being taken care of. Yeah. So... Um, I mean, if you spend all that time decorating it, yeah. I would be concerned about it, too. too. Yeah. Just trying to make sure you're taking good care of my yeah. house. <laughs> it's my house. Still my house, bitch. So, yeah. I didn't move. I died. I'm still here. I'm still here. Um, so, the current director of the museum once watched a drain basket rock back and forth on the counter in the kitchen. Ugh. Like... It kept moving at the same pace, like it was just back, 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 and back, and it never stopped. Didn't slow down, just kept going the same pace. And finally she said, okay, I know you're here, and when she looked down, the basket had stopped. Oh. Um, She's like, all right, I see you. I see you. I know you're here. Yeah, that's all they they wanted. They just wanted to be acknowledged. Yeah, that was all they wanted. Um... A housekeeper reports that several years ago, she was cleaning when a thunderstorm quickly brewed up. And it was so fast that it was raining before she even noticed it. Um, Oh. So suddenly she heard a female voice say, the windows are open. Out of the blue. So she ran upstairs to the third floor to find out that the windows were indeed open. Oh. So, and she was able to get the windows closed before there was any kind of damage to, like, any of the carpets, the flooring, yeah. the fabrics. Um, they think that was Mrs. Caldwell, too, obviously. Yeah. 
And there are several reports of unexplained experiences in connection to the butler's pantry of the house, hmm. which is where all the linens, the chinaware, uh, that kind of stuff would be kept for the house. Okay. Um, and also in that room, which there isn't in some of the other rooms, but in, in some other houses, but in this house, they also had a safe. In oh. that room. Uh, for, like, the best silver. That yeah. kind of thing. Uh, Mrs. Caldwell was very particular about how her table settings looked whenever she would have some kind of a party. So she spent a lot of time in this room. And brides have reported cold spots in the area as well as the sensation of being watched. And one lady who uh, came to the house to decorate for her brother's wedding saw a spoon levitating in midair at the foot of the stairs. And then she watched the spoon fly across the area and landed on the floor of the butler's pantry. So she went to investigate. Yeah. And the safe door was open. What? And it was showing some of the silver inside. So the lady picked up the spoon and put it in the safe. Uh, She closed the door. And she felt like that was, the spoon was there to get her attention to close the safe door. The safe door, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, although the Conrad family only had about ten years to live there before the the worst con uh, the worst Conrad died of a heart attack in the home, uh, the Caldwells actually lived there for about thirty five years, so they got oh. really attached to. It. Yeah, they did. Um, the Caldwells sold it around the time that World War Two began. Uh, it passed to the Presbyterian Church. Uh, it used it as a home for widows. It was called the Rosanna Hughes Home for Presbyterian Widows. Okay, that's um, a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> and when it was adapted as a more dormitory style yeah. of home, the architect tried to be as sensitive as possible with the main house, but they did add a couple of extensions so they could have more people live there. Yeah. And these wings can actually be rented out. Oh, cool. Uh, Let's do it. Yeah, let's, yeah, I'm all for it. Uh, Especially when you, uh, when I tell you this next story. Uh, The staff actually believes that there are three of the ladies from the widow's home that are still there. And they get very upset if anything in their old room is moved around. So you'll find things moved around and bumps and bangs and things like that. Okay, that's fun. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's go. So, one resident uh, who was a U of L student had an experience in her apartment in one of these extensions while she was using a Ouija board. Fun. Yeah. Oh, this is the Ouija board story. Yeah. And, like, I don't normally, like, obviously, we don't recommend Ouija boards. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we also <laughs> don't recommend recording when someone's snoring. But we had no choice. So, (laughs) the girl had uh, some fellow students over to her room uh, for the evening. Uh, 
so they decided to like they're like well this place is haunted right and she's like well it's supposed to be they're like let's get out a ouija board and like let's, see what's going on let's let's communicate with them yeah so at first the girl and her friends were asking very simple questions like uh who are you like are you a man are you a woman yes no questions yeah so and at first they got yes no answers uh, eventually, though, the board started giving them more complex answers, uh, telling the girls that her name was Grace and her favorite color was pink. Her hair color was auburn. So uh, they asked the spirit where she lived and the spirit replied, here. <laughs> <laughs> and next, the spirit revealed that she knew a lot about the young lady who lived there. Uh, the spirit knew what she'd had for breakfast and the, what the names of her friends were and things about her family life. Oh, my God. Yeah. And the spirit even revealed that it had made the girl's bed. Oh! Yeah. So, the girl asked why. <laughs> and the Ouija board spelled out, because you look like the best friend I used to have and because you are nice. Yeah. <laughs> so after that, oh, yeah, yeah, that's adorable. <laughs> yeah. And so after they got that answer, the girls were like, "Well, I think we're done with this board here. Okay, bye." <laughs> uh, and so a few months later, the girl's family came to visit, and she they wanted to go on a tour of this, you know haunted house that she haunted big fancy house that she lived in yeah so as they were walking through the house they spotted a portrait of a young lady in pink uh with auburn hair and the tour guide told them that the young lady's name was grace and she was the daughter of the caldwell family Ah! so yeah that's awesome that's a really good i like that i like that story a lot yeah sweet and uh, the season 10, episode 11 uh, show of Ghost Hunters, the original Ghost Hunters, featured the Conrad Caldwell house. Uh, unfortunately, it is not available, really. We look, we both looked. Yeah. It is not available to watch anywhere. For free, at for least. For free. <laughs> I couldn't even find it to buy. I was going to buy it. What? Like, I went to Amazon. I was going to buy it, and I couldn't even find it there. I think that they have trouble with, like, their old yeah uh, producing company. Yeah. It was, like, it was through someone else. It wasn't just through sci-fi. Yeah. I used to have... Anyway, yeah, it was on there. I used to have almost all the seasons of I it. I know. Yeah. So, Sad. I didn't... If anybody can find it, you can watch it. So, that is the Conrad Caldwell House. Okay. So, the next story is about a place called the uh, Widmer House. Okay. And I need to mention that I got all of these stories from uh, a couple books by a guy named David Domini. It's probably not how he pronounces it. I apologize, David. Uh, He's super... Like, he knows, like, he leads ghost tours of Old Louisville. Oh, cool. He's, like, really kind of a renaissance man. He, like, writes books. He writes cookbooks. He knows a lot. Like, he's he just a knows tour guy. a little bit of everything. He does, yeah. He does a lot. He's really, like, he has the kind of life I wish I had. So, yeah. I'm kind of, 
kind of jealous of David. Oh, well, anyway. So, uh, the Whitmer House was built around 1895 for Joseph Whitmer, who was the business manager of the National Tobacco Company. And I have to say that if you're, like, the business manager of a tobacco company and you're making the kind of money that can build this huge house, like, man, they needed that wealth tax. Ugh. They really did. Yeah. Um, it was built in the chateauesque style, Ooh. which incorporates architectural details from French Renaissance chateau into the building. Um, probably the most famous example is Biltmore House in <coughs> Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, other examples include the Chateau Marmont in L.A., although that was built 30 years later, and the Hotel Frontenac in Quebec City. Okay. Uh, the land on which it was built was originally owned by a guy named J.S. Bakke. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Bakke? Bokey? How is it? B-O-C-K-E-E. Bakke. Bakke, yeah. yeah. It's like... Bokey? Bokey. Bakke? I don't know. <laughs> he was also a tobacco executive. And what this guy realized <laughs> was that no matter how much he earned in the tobacco market, the land market was an even better money maker. So yeah. he split he split up his own land into three pieces and built two identical houses on the land. Yeah. Um, so the house today has uh, still has beautiful stained glass, beveled glass, parquet floors, and intricate woodwork. And if you go on the internet. You can actually see pictures of the house. Oh. Like, you can see pictures of, like, how it's, like, all the, like, the kitchen and the, it's real, it's really a pretty house. She's going there now. I am. Yeah. (coughs) Come on, phone. It was probably designed by a man named Charles Meyer, who also designed the German insurance bank building and the building where Joe Lay Antiques is in Louisville. It was built at a cost of $12,500, which is equal to $387,000 today. Uh, The Widmers only lived there about six years. Uh, Then the house sat vacant for a year before it was bought and sold by a series of single ladies. Uh, Eventually, it ended... Yeah. Single ladies. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know. Uh, eventually, it ended up as a boarding house, as so many of the other older homes in the area did. But in the 1980s, a small family bought it and began restoring the interior. Um, so, David Domini, um, he bought it in 1999. Oh! And when he first looked at the house, he asked the owner if the house was haunted. And she told him that uh, a poltergeist named Lucy lived there and that she probably wouldn't bother him too much if he didn't make too many changes. So when he first moved in, he had a bunch of issues that he needed to resolve. He had a chimney which needed to be rebuilt before it collapsed onto the neighbor's house. He had plaster that had collapsed. And he had a family of possums which decided to take up residence in the basement. And he was telling all these stories about one of his dogs. His dogs loved the possums. 
they were like her best friends and she figured out a way to take some of her dog treats and slip them down into the basement <laughs> and feed the possums with them i'll share my treats with you my friends don't leave us possum friends my possum friends i feel like that's what atticus would do he would totally befriend possums that were living in the basement yeah (laughs) yeah he would or out in the little barn thing oh he'd love those yeah oh he'd have so much fun with them be like wait a minute i got a treat then he trots back in the house. He goes, mm-hmm. comes out. Comes Come back. Here. Here you go. Here's your treat. Here's your treat. Follows him. So anyway, the fact that pictures kept falling <laughs> from their hangers was not his main concern at that point. No. Uh, so, however, after about the second or third time he was cleaning up broken glass, his friend Wendy asked him if he if he'd asked the ghost. If he could hang the pictures. And when he didn't answer her, she goes, well, did you? (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. And then they heard a huge crash, which sounded as if it came from the front of the house, away from where they were. So they ran into the front hall. And they, when they got to the front hallway, they ran into people coming from the front room who had heard the same thing, but they thought it was coming from the back of the house. Oh, God. So they got all the like, ah. And uh, so they, they looked all through the house. They looked all around the house and could not find anything. I guess that uh, was the ghost way of saying he did not ask for permission. permission. Yeah. So... Uh, his friend Wendy then asked for permission to hang the pictures, and after that, they remained up on the wall. Oh, well, wherever. thanks, Wendy. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, the owner's cat hissed at something in the bedroom underneath the stairs and would hide in the bathroom next to that room. So, one evening, uh, David got home from... The whole way through this, I wrote down the owner, and I'm like, why did I do that? His name's David. I could have just put David. We all know it's David. Uh, one evening, David <laughs> got home from a derby party, pre-derby party, and he realized that he could smell coffee really, really strongly. Huh. And suddenly, he realized uh, that uh, he'd smelled that coffee smell, like, several times. Um, also, he had not been in the house since 11 a.m. Uh, and every time, and it was still, like, really fresh. And, in fact, every time he'd smelled the coffee smell, he had been alone in the house. Huh. So, uh, a friend of his happened to call right at that time to ask about the house. And while they were talking, he heard someone coming down the stairs. Mm. Uh, The footsteps stopped just before someone would have had to reveal themselves. Uh, So they were out Uh. of, yeah, they were out of sight. And they'd suddenly stopped. So he put the phone down. And meanwhile, his friend on the phone is like yelling, what's happening? Tell me what's What's happening. What's going on? David! David, what's happening? <laughs> David! <laughs> I can picture it like in a movie where he's like, just talking on the phone, he hears the footsteps, and he's, he's like, like, hold on a second. Hang on a second. Like, you know, puts the phone, puts down, the phone down. And he's walking slowly, the music's being all tense, and yeah. this, you can hear his friend on the other line just yelling, David! 
David? What's David, happening? what's happening? What's happening? <laughs> yeah. It's, he does set the scene. Um, he So he ran up and down the stairs, and there was no one there. So he assured his friend that things were fine, uh, and then he hung up. Um, <laughs> he went back to his kitchen, and he made a pot of tea, and while the water was boiling, he noticed that the kitchen was really, really cold. So that got to him, uh, as it would. Uh, so he went upstairs, he worked on the computer for a while, watched a movie, went to bed. Uh, about an hour later, he noticed his dogs reacting to something, because they were also on the bed. Like, like a normal uh, person yeah. should, and his dogs sleep with him. <laughs> like a normal person. Um. Uh, Man, Atticus snuggles up to me like he's a child. Oh, yeah. Like, just... Head on my shoulder. Yeah. Paws up against my chest. Yeah. Such a sweetie. He's a sweet boy. Um. He realized that they were they were all hearing a series of creaks move along the second floor hallway from the front of the house to the back. <laughs> so. David ran out of his bedroom with a baseball bat, searching for the intruder that he thought must be in his home. Oh, yeah. Uh, he searched the house. Once again, he found nothing. He went back to bed, and just as he was starting to relax, he heard a, a loud creak on the floor next to the left side of his bed. <gasps> yeah. Uh, it moved to the end of his bed and then to the right side of his bed. Just like walked around his bed. And at that point, he jumped out of his bed and he and his dogs ran through the house and out to the car. Yeah. So. What about the cat? eh, Yeah. (laughs) He then, uh, it was 3.30 in the morning and he then felt kind of silly. So he looked at the house. There wasn't anything wrong with it. Like it wasn't like glowing red lights out of yeah. it or flashing lights in all the windows or whatever. Uh, so he and the dogs went back in the house and they sat around watching movies until it was daylight. And then David went back to bed and slept for a while. And after taking his dogs for a walk, after he got up, uh, oh, He noticed the coffee smell again when he got back home. Uh, So some workmen were doing restoration on one of the upper floors. So he asked if either of them had made coffee and they both said no. Uh, So he was a bit creeped out by that answer. Yeah. Uh, So he left to do some errands and when he got home, he went to check on the workmen and they jumped when he spoke to them. Then uh, they asked if he was home earlier, and he said no, he was out doing errands. And they told him it sounded like a door was slamming in a room at the end of the hallway. So David checked on it and saw that no one was inside, but he could smell, and I mean, this is a really specific smell, but he could smell a really hot iron. Huh. Um, that is like very when it's about to smell. burn your fabric, you know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That bad. That hot. Um, 
So he checked this room. Nobody was in there. He shut the door and three knocks came from inside the door. Yeah. So the next few days and nights after that passed without incident, although he did still smell the coffee in the morning. Uh, The nights after that, though, got so bad that he called some friends to come over and stay with him. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, one night he was in bed and he kept hearing knocking on the back door. He would check it, but no one would be there. So, and as he was going back to bed the last time, this is probably what made him call the friends. There were curtains that billowed out from a window that sealed shut, like right in his, kind of like right at him. So, yeah, uh, so. A few days later, he had gone out to do errands, and while he was gone, uh, the men came back to continue their restoration work. Yeah. He got home, and he could smell the really hot iron smell again, and he could hear the guys upstairs, but it occurred to him that, like, they were doing something weird, like they were walking around uh opening and closing drawers and walking back and forth between the linen closets. And he's like, what are they doing? Are they working on that? I thought they were working somewhere else. Yeah. So he got ready to go upstairs and check out, like, what the heck was going on, and they walked in the room. They walked in the kitchen that Uh -uh. he was standing in. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. So they actually confessed that they'd had to leave the house earlier that day. Because they'd gotten so creeped out at all the noises. Then they showed him what they had found in the room at the end of the second floor hall. Because they'd gotten to that back room where, like, all the noise was. Uh Uh-huh. When they removed the old carpeting, revealed the original flooring, they'd uncovered a burn mark of an old-fashioned iron on the floor near the fireplace. Uh David then realized that the back part of the house on the second floor was the servant's area because it could be shut off. And so he wondered if his ghost was a ser- had been a, a servant there. Yeah. And one night, he and his friends walked through the house. They reassured the ghost that they understood she was just trying to keep watch over the house. Like, yeah. she was perfectly welcome there. Just don't do anything, like, crazy, but you're, just, you just- know... Keep it chill. Yeah, she's welcome to stay as long as she liked. And since then, <clears throat> the ghostly incidents had died off. Um, and the owner actually ended up meeting one of the granddaughter, uh, the granddaughter of one of the first residents. And she remembers a housekeeper who was very mischievous. Oh. But her name wasn't Lucy. And uh, I saw on the internet that the house was sold in 2019, so hopefully the new owners are as accommodating of the ghost as the old one was. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So let's hope. So the third place that I'm going to talk about is the DuPont Mansion. Ooh. Uh, In 1854, uh, a man, two men, Alfred Victor DuPont and his brother, uh, Biederman DuPont. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they came to Louisville to expand, like, the family businesses. And, uh, one of those businesses, the A.V. DuPont and Company, uh, made and distributed paper and gunpowder. 
it was uh, very successful for the DuPont family. It was so successful, in fact, that in 1870, Biederman was able to buy what was a large mansion on the highest point of what is now Central Park in Louisville. And the park actually used to be the front yard of the mansion. Uh, the brothers then decided to build a townhouse half a block north of Peterman's mansion. I don't know. Uh, they just had too much money. Uh, they did. This would house DuPont relatives and friends who came to town, as well as Alfred Victor, whenever it was convenient for him. However... Alfred Victor preferred to live in the Galt House Hotel, partly because it was closer to work, but mostly because he lived like quite the ladies, man. Ooh. He liked the ladies. And he didn't want his family knowing about what all he was getting up to. My family can't know about yeah. all the ladies. The ladies. <laughs> oh, God forbid. Uh... So, in 1886, the family decided that having two mansions half a block apart wasn't really necessary. So, they sold the townhouse to Thomas Prather Jacob. Uh, Eventually, the house became apartments and gradually declined until in the year 2000, uh, Gail and Herbert Warren bought the house and turned it into an award-winning bed and breakfast. Uh, the mansion has fully restored Italian marble fireplaces, Italianate plaster moldings, hardwood floors with intricate parquet woodwork, 14-foot ceilings, 10-foot doors and windows, and lovely antique furniture. Ooh. Alfred Victor, uh, back to him, uh, he uh, really, really enjoyed his bachelor life. <laughs> And he uh, was on what you might call intimate terms with Ooh. one of Louisville's most prominent madams, as well as the ladies that she employed. Uh, so, oh, here comes the sad part. One of these ladies, Maggie, became uh, his mistress and then became pregnant with his child. Oh. So when Aww. he uh, tried, when she told him about it, when he tried to send her away, she shot him in the chest. Oh okay. God. And uh, the DuPont family decided to cover up the murder. Of course they did. uh, By getting the authorities to announce that Alfred Victor had died of a heart attack in the front porch of the Galt House. Okay. Uh, The real truth only came out in the 1930s, but apparently, according to what I read, uh, they... Like, the neighbors knew, but they didn't say anything either. Um, so, Alfred Victor reportedly haunts the old site of DuPont Square, as well as the DuPont Mansion, and he also haunts the Galt House area. Because I remember reading about that when I was reading about that distillery mm-hmm. in, like, episode two or three or whatever the hell it was. Um, anyway. Supposedly, the body of Alfred was hidden there while the alternate story was being concocted. He was hidden in the DuPont mansion. Which, if I'd known that when I stayed there, I would have been a little more creeped out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, 
a workman who was at the house alone while he was doing renovations in the late 1990s had an encounter with the caped figure of what he believed was Alfred back in the late 90s. Uh, he got a weird feeling he wasn't alone in the house, although he knew he was. And then he felt a jolt of electricity. He felt he was being watched, but he saw nothing. So he went back to his project. And then when he turned around, he saw a man standing right in front of him. But, <gasps> but the man was very one-dimensional. He said it was like a faded photograph, but it kind of like shimmered and rippled in the air. Huh. And the ghost was wearing an old-fashioned tuxedo, and it seemed to the guy who saw him as though there was a hole in the center of his shirt. Like he had, had gotten shot. shot. <laughs> so the ghost seemed to be almost as surprised to see the workman as the workman wants to see him. Yeah. Uh, he got this puzzled look on his... This is a quote. He got this puzzled look on his face and just sort of backed away a bit, and then he just disappeared. Uh, and so did the workman who ran out of the house very quickly. Uh, he told some of his fellow workers about it, and they all laughed. But he noticed that none of them wanted to stay late by themselves. So he was like, <laughs> oh. yeah, so you're laughing at me now, but, you know, we know. But you know. But you know. Uh, some of the most frequent reports were from women who said that the ghost was still up to his old tricks, so to speak. Uh, Geraldine Beck, who was an interior designer who helped to prepare the house as the Bellarmine Women's Council Designer Show House. Ooh. She had uh, a few run-ins with Alfred Victor's ghost during her time in the mansion. She was walking down the stairs when she suddenly felt like she was being followed. So she turned and looked and no one was there. And she kept walking downstairs. She was almost to the bottom when she felt a hot breath on her ear. And she said she could actually even feel like the moisture Ew. from it. Yeah. So she dropped everything she was carrying and ran into the parlor because that was where her friend was. Yeah. And he kind of laughed at her when she told him what had happened. Um, they asked around, though, for the other people working there. And they got told about, like, the ghost of Alfred Victor and, like, the the liberties he kind of took with the lady, the ladies, <laughs> in the past. Um <laughs> But she'll still, she was kind of, like, skeptical. Yeah. That all changed the next day. <laughs> when she was again going down the stairs, uh, this time she said she, the weird feeling she had was even worse. And the stairs were, like, the stairs area was, like, freezing. Uh, so she was going down, and she could make out, she started to be able to make out a hazy form in front of her. And it looked like a man in, like, 19th century clothing. He had a tuxedo coat, a top hat, and a walking stick. Uh, and when the ghost got to the bottom of the stairs, it just vanished. Ugh. Yeah. So, 
in her, like, this is a quote, she lost it and ran to look for her friend, who, of course, did not believe her. Because no one ever gets believed when they see shit like that. Right. Uh, so she decided not to say anything more about the incident. Uh, although, of course, she was still freaking, freaked out about it. Yeah. And the next day she was going down the stairs again, which you would think at some point she would, you know, figure that one out. Uh, this time nothing happened. And she was, like, really relieved because she got almost all the way down the stairs. She's like, she didn't feel anything. She didn't see anything, smell anything, nothing. She's like... This is, you know, this is good. I'm going to get through this now. Uh, so she got to the bottom of the steps and she was feeling relieved uh, until she felt a hand grab her butt Ooh. twice. <laughs> and she refused to use the stairs the rest of the time <laughs> that she worked there. Alfred. Alfred. Uh, and supposedly none of this activity has occurred. Yeah, he needs... He awful as Conrad needs to come and shake his fist at Alfred Victor. Yes. And supposedly none of this activity has occurred since it has been a and It's been very quiet there. Oh. But but people still see, like, Alfred Victor elsewhere. Oh, yeah. yeah. And those are three <clears throat> of the houses of Old Louisville. That was good. Oh, thanks. I tried. So, we might not even need to do dessert this time. Yeah, I don't think we have a des- we had a dessert plan, but I don't think we're gonna need to do it because it's like well, already it's already pretty late. We got to go to work anyway here shortly, yeah. real shortly. Yeah, sad to say. Okay, well, next week's gonna be a fun one. I know. I can't wait. <laughs> Jerry Bow. Jerry Bow. Jerry Bow. Oh my God! I can't wait for Jerry Bow. It's gonna be awesome. Okay, so, in the meantime, if you have any ideas for topics or just want to say hello or anything. Oh, thanks, Ron, for your email. Yes. About the Stanford abduction. Uh, Send us an email at creepykentucky at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter and an Instagram. Ooh. Both of which are at creepykentucky. And thanks to our history. I keep forgetting to say this. Thanks for our history advisor, Ron Duncan. We owe him a lot. We do. Anyway. Right. Kentucky. What Seriously, the hell? Seriously, what the hell? What the hell? <laughs>